The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Aiden O'Connell, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today is a, is a repeat guest on the show, one of the true legends, a man that just had to sit through a countdown that I did going into the thing where I started at three, I went to two, and then we had about six more seconds before we went live. <laughs> he, is a, he is a pro's pro. Uh, you know him so, so very well. He's Dave Richard. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Richard. He's, of course, the fantasy football guy over there at CBS Sports and the host of Fantasy Football Today that you can find on YouTube, streaming live in the mornings and it's on all throughout the day to catch on demand, various clips and things like that. And I couldn't get out of here without this introduction that there is going to be a fantasy football draft-a-thon on Wednesday the 30th, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern with Dave Richard, all the, all the guys over there at uh, CBS Sports. They're going to have a bunch of guests talking strategy, talking sleepers, breakouts, busts. It's like buzzword after buzzword. We've made it back, Dave. We've made it back. It's redraft season. Ladies and gentlemen of the universe – it is an honor to be back on roster watch. You know, Dave, it's all, it, it, it's always so good to have you brother. And it's, it's, it's been, be here, man. It, man, it's, 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 it's been an interesting thing. It feels like, doesn't it feel like this last weekend was the weekend where, ev- where everybody and their dog has started to talk about fantasy football again? Yeah. You, I mean, we do it all year. And so for us, it's just old hat. Right. But it feels like now you, you're starting to get your neighbors calling you up. You're starting to get, you know, starting to get Bob from, you know, Bob from the cubicle down the, down the um, down the hallway, right coming in saying like, "Hey, you got any cheat sheets? Like, who who are you looking at this year? Like, who's who's the sleeper quarterback?" It feels like, man, the like it feels like the fantasy community always just engages right there at the Fourth of July, right? But the general public, it feels like it, this this last weekend is what I felt managed in my personal life. It's when preseason games are on TV and people are going no. out and they see preseason games, they see pro football on TV at their local sports bar or wherever else they go. And they start thinking, Oh, football's back. Oh man, I got to start getting ready for my fantasy league. And uh, yeah, this is when we start to get uh, a lot more of the, the, the casuals, if you will, <laughs> getting involved, but you know what, dude, casuals deserve to win some fantasy leagues too. Oh, Just yeah. because I, I don't like it this way. I like it. And, and it, this was actually, one of the first things I did when I started playing fantasy football and I wanted to win was pay attention year round. 
Because mm. I used to be a casual. I mean, we're talking late 90s, before the internet was the internet. Um, I, I, would, I would be focused on fantasy football three days before our draft, and then I would have a draft, and then my team would go like four and nine, and I'd miss the playoffs, and I'd say fantasy football is stupid. And then the year after, I couldn't wait to draft again, but I didn't pay any attention to it. And then one year, I was just like, you know what? I, I'm going to pay attention to everything that happens in the NFL during the offseason. Even made a spreadsheet and everything. And this was like the year 2000, maybe, Alex. Yeah. And uh, I, I won a league. First time I won a league was 2000. And I've basically, you know, I've started playing in more leagues since then. But it's been a long time since I haven't won a league. Now the goal is to try and win anywhere between 25 and 50% of all the <laughs> leagues that I get into. And I'm, you know, I'm, I pay attention to this stuff year round anyway, might as well talk about it and, and be about it on, on the interwebs to help people do the same thing. So if, if you're a casual fantasy football manager, welcome back to the game. And if you lose this year, stick around during the off season, it's going to help you win. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just don't turn out like sickos like us that are drafting best ball teams on February 20th. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Uh, so look, you, you said the preseason, that's what's getting people fired up, man. It's getting the emotions riding high with everybody. They go to the sports bar, you hear football, you hear the intro music, you start thinking about it, but th- there are some things to, you know, take away from these preseason games, right? A lot of people will you know, tune out once the starters get out and things like that. But there are usage trends that we can look at. And one of the interesting ones that I've kind of been thinking about and monitoring is in Jacksonville with the running back situation with Tank Bigsby, the rookie out of out of Auburn, seeming to really kind of get a little bit of a spike here among um, a lot of content creators, which is presumably going to maybe lead to a spike in ADP. We're already seeing that a little bit over on Underdog and some of these uh, super, you know, hyper-informed and reactive um groups of drafters right it feels like tank bigsby's up like seven to ten spots over the course of the last week or so and it's been because he's looked really good in these in these preseason games my deal with that is that he's looked good because he's the first guy out there and he looks like he's the starter and stuff but that's because they're just holding back travis Etienne. and so people are talking about this like it's ultimately going to be a committee with 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 him and when i juxtapose that situation with the situation in Pittsburgh where we've actually seen Najee Harris on the field. We've seen what that looks like with the starters platoon, how that split works. We've seen a little bit of Jalen Warren up there creeping in on some third downs. Um, it feels like the usage and the talk of the usage throughout the whole course of the offseason that maybe Jalen Warren could be a little bit more involved. It feels like they're starting to be, there could be some merit to that. Um, I, and so when with, we have these two guys, you know, we had Cody last week at, at Steelers training camp and he came back really singing Najee's praises and saying, but mm. behind the scenes, they, they love him. And, uh, you know, he went so far as to say that this is his offense. If you talk to some of the people around the team, which goes a little bit against maybe the vibes I'm getting from what I've seen on the actual field. And I'm having a lot of bit. I'm just, I'm having a bit of trouble just differentiating between Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, who I prefer this year. Let's just say for the sake of these purposes, we'll say half point PPR. How do you stack those those two players up? Well, first of all, I, I think Najee really comes down as a physical grinding volume based touchdown dependent running back for fantasy. And when he really got going, I, I'll say the second half of last year it really feels like like the last five or six games, but it's it's more like a half. Uh, he was productive, scored a ton of touchdowns 
had some good metrics. His foot was healthy. Uh, that offensive line was okay. It was starting to round into form. The offense still had the rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Uh, Harris was averaging right around 15 and a half PPR points per game. If he doesn't have that volume and if he doesn't have those touchdowns, I don't see how he gets anywhere close to that number this coming year. And I, I think what we will see, and I, I'd be curious to hear Cody's take on what he saw from Kenny Pickett. And if he thinks that the Steelers are going to try and kind of use him as a game manager or actually let him kind of, you know, spread his wings a little bit and let him throw. I think Pickett's look great in the preseason. The reports out of training camp have been outstanding when it comes to Pickett, when it comes to George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth. Even Allen Robinson got some love. Yeah, this is a, this is a Steelers yeah. offense that might be changing a little bit, and that's bad for Najee if it is. And then you pair all of that with the drumbeat that's been there for Jalen Warren, certainly a shiftier running back. Yeah. Looks like he got a little thicker in the lower body. Oh yeah, and, and, and maybe video. somebody yeah. you saw that too. Yeah, so man. that's good. I'm glad somebody else saw that because I, <laughs> I haven't heard that from anybody else. Okay. I'm wondering if there's a path here where Jalen Warren begins the year mainly as the passing downs back, but also potentially taking some rushing work away from Najee just because he's a little bit more explosive. And for those reasons, I'm going to pivot toward ETN. And ETN's kind of in that boat opposite of Najee Harris. He's not going to a great goal line guy. It would make sense if that's Tank Bigsby's role. But what he is is somebody who got a lot of volume last year and is explosive as can be. And we know that ETN is a terrific talent. We didn't really see him get a lot of work through the passing game, but we know that he can do it. He averaged 14.3 attempts per game, 2.6 targets per game from week five on. That was right around the time when the Jaguars coaching staff enough, said enough of James Robinson, mm-hmm. and they put it all on ETN's plate. And as 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 good as Bigsby's looked, and he's looked good, I've loved watching him in pass protection, Alex. I still think ETN's going to be the main guy. I think his explosiveness is going to be hard to ignore. And you think about the makeup of that passing game. You know, we're talking about Pittsburgh. Maybe they let Pickett spread his wings. Well, Trevor Lawrence is already soaring, and he's got some dudes running with him in that passing offense that makes things dangerous. No more stacked boxes for Travis Etienne. And maybe the carries when there are stacked boxes go to Bigsby or go to Dearness Johnson. So, so I look at Etienne as someone who, I, especially in half PPR and non-PPR, better shot at getting more yards than Najee. Just as good of a shot as staying healthy than Najee. And I don't think he's going to get replaced. I think there's a chance that Najee, if he's not effective at the beginning of the year, could get replaced if Jalen Warren can make some moves. Okay, so just a few things with what you said. As far as what Cody said with with Kenny Pickett, I mean, he's, he, he was of the same mind. He thinks he looks really good. I, I was asking him, like, how he compares him to, say, you know, some of these other guys who are the young quarterbacks or the rookies or the second year mm-hmm. dudes you know he's he's like well him and bryce young it's not really you know for, for fantasy there's no way i'm taking bryce young ahead of him or i might you know, not be taking either of these guys in fantasy. right well i mean we're talking about two qb yeah i mean it's kind of a super flex conversation right sure. but but regardless he's he said that you know Pickett would be the guy that he would prefer certainly over like a ritter or a howl or another one of these like second year dudes yeah um 
the uh, the other thing you mentioned was, I mean, I understand the stuff about Tank Bigsby, maybe, and how about how Travis Etienne has suffered a little bit at the goal line. He does have a little bit of that upright running style. He presents a lot of surface area through his chest, and that's just kind of the way the Etienne's going to run. It's just that's just how he is. It's it's how he runs. I kind of think Tank Bigsby's a similar runner to him, so I don't I'm, I don't think that it's a it's a total lock that he's going to come in and be the goal line guy. And like you said. I guess when you're down on the goal line, they're gonna, they're the box is gonna be packed against you anyway. But I do think that you know w- the way that we view ETN and the way that we extrapolate some of that short yardage stuff from last year to his prowess at the goal line, it might have been a, it might have been something that we don't see quite as much this year with the way that that offense is gonna be a little, a little bit more spread out. So I think as far as his short yardage stuff, um, I think that'll be a little bit better. And then the other thing for him is that he just has the un- he has the untapped pass catching potential. We'll see if he can do it. I mean, he he sure could in college. <laughs> it's been one of the right. great. It's been one of the great mysteries to me. It's like why well, he's not one of the best pass catching backs in the league. But that upside, that physically, it does still exist. And for that reason, ding ding ding, Dave Richard is correct on this one. I I I I, I, I was going back and forth on it, but um, Dave Richards talked me into it. Man, it's got to be Etn over over Najee Harris. It's now it, in in saying all that, these guys are going to go in the same range on draft day. But it's smart for a fantasy manager to know, okay, if I'm stuck, you know, it's late round three, I need a running back. I wouldn't use the word stuck. I don't know why I said stuck. And I've got to choose between ETN and Najee. Well, now you're you're not stuck because you know which direction to go in. If I thought that Najee had a shot to catch 50 passes or really keep Jalen Warren at bay, this would be a no-brainer for Najee. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, that's the real deciding thing. As great as Bigsby has looked, I still can't say that he's for sure going to take, you know, 10 touches and 25 snaps uh, away from ETN. He's going to take snaps away from him and he'll mm-hmm. take some touches away too. But I just, I think ETN is just in a different class as far as explosiveness goes than anybody that we've talked about so far. And I think the Jaguars can use that. It is it will in the in the Jaguars they have added the explosive options right they had Calvin Ridley and this is one that I wanted to ask you about too I just saw that Hayden Winks yesterday tweeted that Calvin Ridley now at least on underdog and we know underdog these guys are super wide receiver heavy right super wide receiver focused and, and best sure but he's now his ADP is twenty three point nine. He's officially a second rounder now. Ooh, wow! Um, okay. Now it's not going to be like that in our season-long leagues, right? It's I don't think he will. But we're getting up to the point where people are having to make decisions. Dave, I mean, this is this is true. I've been in some of these industry drafts, like we had the SiriusXM host draft the other day and stuff. You've been in a ton of these mocks. I, I, sure. I, I, I know you have, and you've seen it. It's like now you start talking about after you get done with like Devonte Smith and Olave, and you start to you know Higgins is probably gone like you get to like DK Metcalf people are having to like people are taking Calvin Ridley now in front of DK Metcalf um not by ADP but I think that that ADP might I I think I could see it switch you know he's certainly going now above Amari Cooper I usually see him go above Debo Samuel Uh, has the hype gone too far are you are you are 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 you on board with with Calvin Ridley uh yeah I'm taking Ridley ahead of Metcalf (laughs) Okay, okay I'm there but I'm I'm not I'm not 23rd overall there. Right. Right. So, so there's a difference between the two. Look, I, I just, I remember talking about it with my buddies here at CBS back during the off season. This is one of those off season conversations that we had where I was excited about Ridley and I had Ridley ranked high and, and I was told, well, we don't know how good he's going to be. We, we, we know that he's had a year out of football. 
how often do guys have a year out of football really come back and play well? And, and there's merit to those questions, but then you go to minicamp and Calvin Ridley is dazzling in minicamp. And this dude has something to prove after sitting out for a year. And he's still, it's not like he sat on the couch for a year and ate Cheetos. He, he was working out. He was getting ready because he knew that he had a big comeback in him. Can he be as good as he was when he was in Atlanta? This is what worries me, Alex. I'm not sure he's going to get the opportunity to. Because I did some digging on, on target per route run rates for wide receivers in Jacksonville and in Philadelphia under Doug Peterson. Okay, last year in Jacksonville, no wide receiver with 100 or more routes had a higher target per route run rate than 21.5%. Now, 20, what does that mean exactly? That means one out of every five or so routes that a receiver runs, he gets a target. And that's that's not bad. That's that's pretty average. It's 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 fine. In Philadelphia, from 2016 to 2020, no wide receiver with 100 or more routes run had a higher target per route run rate than 21.6%. Same exact thing as what was in Philadelphia. They had tight ends that were taking a lot of work away in Philly. You know the names from back yeah. in the day. And then last year, Evan Ingram had some decent target share in Jacksonville as well. Uh, and for example, Evan Ingram's target per route run rate, I think he had just under 100 targets, 18.8%. So when Calvin Ridley was getting nine and a half targets in 2020 and 10.4 targets per game in 2021, those were target per route run rates over 25%. Okay. That's a big number. That means it's one out of every four routes run. So if Calvin's going to do that, that means that Doug Peterson's going to do something fundamentally different in his play calling that he's ever done before. Now you might say to yourself, well, it's only 4%. That's not that big of a deal. I think that's, <laughs> that's the difference between 23rd overall and 30th overall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like if, if, if we knew, Oh, Alex, if we knew that Calvin Ridley was going to have a 25% target per route run rate, I, I think taking him in late round two is perfect. But since we don't know that, can't be sure of that, there's other weapons in that Jacksonville offense. We just got done talking about ETN. Uh, I, yeah. It makes me kind of pump the brakes a little bit on Ridley and putting him in that range. I think he's more of a mid-round three type pick in full PPR. That's where I'm comfortable taking him. Uh, he's ahead of a lot of dudes too. I, I think he's got that 14. He's in that range where I think he could get between 14 and 15 PPR points per game. Clearly he's in shape. Clearly he's wowed everybody. The reports and out of training camp and minicamp, like I said, have been outstanding. Uh, no one can stop talking about Ridley. There are targets to be had. Marvin Jones is gone. He left 81 targets behind. Zay Jones isn't getting 121 targets again this year. I think if you project Calvin Ridley for 120 targets, that's going to lead to a really good year for him, but not round two good. You want to win your fantasy draft? No, I mean, like, really. Do you really, really, really want to win your fantasy draft? Because you can win your fantasy draft with the Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet, available at rosterwatch.com. It's the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever, and it's the only tool you'll need this draft season. You've heard Roster Watch live on Sirius XM Radio here on the podcasts from all the NFL training camps. Now all you have to do is follow the three simple rules at the top of the sheet of paper using the Roster Watch cheat sheet. That's it. Three rules. An extra quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet. You can't afford to draft without it. It's available now and only at rosterwatch.com. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You, you were talking about you know, how the, the importance of these round two, these round, these round three picks we talked about earlier, if you're on the clock between, you know, you need a running back, you're between Najee and, and you know, ETN, the way that we would prefer as of now going there. I was in that same draft that I was talking about earlier when I was referencing, you know, DK Metcalf and stuff going ahead of, of Ridley in that same draft. I found myself in a position on at the three Oh three where I started out Jamar chase, Jalen Waddle. And then it came back to me and on our cheat sheet, it, I mean, the, the cheat sheet told me to take Josh Jacobs, but both Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor were both on the board. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it made me have this conversation with myself saying like, well, I mean, this is a tough this is a tough click here for either of these guys. I think it's, the news has gotten a little bit better this morning with Josh Jacobs that he's you know, returning to the team now. But between Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor, it feels like those are two guys that a lot of people in the second round are now saying like, oh, I'm going to let somebody else you know, sniff around these guys and make this decision with, with the various uh, stigmas attached to, to, to them. Jacobs, it looks like he's looking up a little bit now. They're saying he's going to be back with the team. But once he gets back, he still has got to pass it. his physical. He's got it. He's got, he's, he's, he still has to sign his franchise tag. Like there's, there's stuff that needs to happen, right? With Jonathan Taylor, well, now he's actually back with the team. That stuff's at least worked out on the business end, but he's getting treatments on the same ankle. And I wonder if that's just him sandbagging, whether, I mean, whether it's JT is going to be JT this year. Feels like there's a lot of question marks with, with, with these guys. If you're in that spot where one, you know, both of these guys fall to you in the third round, maybe you've taken two wide receivers early. It makes all the sense in the world to get a, a potential stud running back there in the third. Which way do you go? I go Jacobs. Okay. And I don't really think twice about it. They are back to back in my running back rankings, but I feel a lot better. I I think Jacobs situation can play out in a very predictable way. He's mad. He's angry. He doesn't want to be a part of training camp. Training camp ends, you know, as of this recording, there's three weeks before the Raiders play a football game. How Mm -hmm. much time does Josh Jacobs really need? You know, assuming that he hasn't been sitting on his couch eating Cheetos for the last couple of months. If he's in shape, he'll get in there and he'll get used to things. Hopefully he won't strain any soft tissues and he'll be okay. And then the question becomes, can he repeat what he did last year? Because last year was an absolute outlier year for him, both in terms of attempts per game. He averaged 20 of those PPR points per game, 19.3. It's about five points per game higher than he's ever had before in his career. And so he's got that floor of 14 PPR points. That's where he lived from 1920 to 1921 or 1920, <laughs> 2019 to 2021. Excuse me. Um, I, I think he could be a little better than that. I think if you project him for 15 or 16 PPR points per game, he can get you there. Uh, but, but I, I, I just, I worry about him matching the same type of upside, especially if he's really late to reporting to Las Vegas. Like, is, is he showing up five days before week one? Is he going to need a couple of weeks of sharing with Zamir white before he can go out there and, and really perform. But yet that's still seemingly a more stable situation than what Jonathan Taylor's got going. I didn't love Taylor even before this holdout started. And it's not just because of the ankle injury. It's not just because that offensive line is a huge question mark. 
You know what it is, Alex. It's Anthony Richardson under center. It's a rookie quarterback. Defenses are going to have to play a certain type of way against him. And yes, I would expect that if Taylor's playing with Richardson, he'll have efficient numbers. But what's going to happen when they get inside the five-yard line? Are you sure every carry is going to go to Jonathan Taylor? Or is it going to be a zone read fake and it's Anthony Richardson diving in for a touchdown? What about when they're on the 50-yard line and everybody's gearing up to stop Taylor and it's Richardson who pulls the ball out of Taylor's belly and takes off for a 25-yard gain? I'm worried about Jonathan Taylor um, losing production to the rookie quarterback who's a great runner and a suspect passer. Forget about the catches and the targets for Jonathan Taylor. He was never huge in that anyway. Now with Richardson there, I don't know how good 30 catches would be great. I would sign up for that right now, mainly because that would mean that Taylor's playing. I almost (laughs) feel like if you take Taylor, like in the back of your mind, you have to like cross your fingers and pray to ye old fantasy gods that he gets traded. Because if he gets traded, the whole situation changes and he could end up being just an he, he could hit his ceiling on a different team with a better offensive line without a quarterback that's going to take work away from him. His ceiling, as you know, is 2000 total yards and like 18 touchdowns. He can't get there with Anthony Richardson. He can't get there in this iteration of the offense. He can't get there if his ankle isn't hundred percent and he certainly won't get there if he's going to hold out. And then the whole calendar issue that we talked about with Jacobs, that applies to Taylor too. Hey, I think it's wonderful that he's traveling with the team to Philadelphia. Doesn't mean he's practicing. Doesn't mean he's back out there on the field. How long is he going to take to be ready to go for the season? It's and it's a it's, those are all those are all terrific points. You're 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 betting on the come with an offensive line coach like Tony Sperano Jr. That he's going to be able to get this thing back going. You're, you're you're betting on the fact that Anthony Richardson. It's the best of all cases where there's no systemic risk with him getting the football up and down the field. There's no systemic risk of him not being in uh, used in these goal line situations. Right. It's like, you have to paint this picture and you have to say, you just have to be, you have to be like, Oh, well, no, Alex is like, it's good. Don't you know, we're running quarterback. It frees up the defensive end. And now he can run the dive all day long. Cause they're going to be focused on. And I mean, I guess it could happen. It feels like you got to squint a lot of different ways for the bull case for Jonathan Taylor to come to fruition. Right. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I am with you there also with uh, as far as Jacobs versus JT. Man, I sure hate it for JT. And here's the thing. He's like he, – you could pray to the fantasy gods all you want. He ain't getting traded. There's nobody trading for a guy with a busted ankle to pay $10 bucks a year on a long-term wow. contract. I mean, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, unless the ankle really isn't busted, which yeah. who knows? We can't say for sure that it is or it isn't. Hey, if they would be the laughing stock of all of fantasy and NFL Twitter for ma- trading for a big running, trading for a running back and, and, and giving a, a big contract. Unless uh, it's <laughs> unless it's a team that's got a, a rookie, a quarterback on a rookie deal, and they can afford to give him, you know, call it a three-year extension that makes him one of the top five highest paid. They do something that the Colts wouldn't do, and they get him for cheap. And that's yeah. the other side to it. Like even if the Colts decided okay, we're going to trade this guy. You really think they're going to give him away for a fourth round pick? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No. I mean, they're going to want, they're going to want a lot for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, It feels like Jonathan Taylor clearly slipping a little bit. I, we talked about this yesterday on on was it yesterday or maybe Saturday on on Sirius and I I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this because yeah. Javante Williams he, we're we're going to see an ADP rise out of him 
just because of the fact that he's back. I mean, to me, he looks like Javante. I'm sure you've watched back the snaps from the preseason game on, yep. on was on Saturday night. Yep. Um, they had, they had envisioned him. They, I guess they played the starters for you know, like 20, 25 snaps. He played for about half of those. But when he was in there, he was utilized heavily, uh, f- featured in the passing game. Doesn't He looks zero percent encumbered by my eyes and this is coming from somebody that was notably skeptical at the beginning of camp because i thought that brace looked too damn bulky and big and it looked like he couldn't really run with it hey but man he he kind of looks like javante to me and if, if javante williams is javante williams i mean the right now his adp if you just look at fantasy pros which takes the consensus across all y'all you know i think the cbs espn uh, nfl.com any place where people are drafting right now right mm-hmm. so it's um his ADP right now is at running back 28. He's going or he's like going with Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Swift and James Cook, you know, players, players, Isaiah Pacheco. As you move up a little bit is with these ADPs, you get into the world of like J.K. Dobbins, James Conner, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers, then kind of into this Alvin Kamara, Rashad White, Miles Sanders tier, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you go up to like the Ken Walkers, the Damian Pierce. Like, my question is, I feel like his ADP is going to go up, Javante's. And I, I like to you know, think about where the ball is going to be uh, at the end of this thing, you know, where, where the ball is moving or where the puck's moving, I think is the, is the phrase, right? You, you want to know where the puck's moving. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't watch much. It, it's a phrase now. <laughs> okay. But, but if we look at where the puck's moving, right, like where is it going to land with, with Javante? Do you think he's going to end up in this same kind of Ken Walker uh, you know, this sort of Ken Walker, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce type area, or is that thinking too much into this? I think he's going to end up being around those guys, but I think that fantasy managers should just be a little more cautious. Okay. So for example, you, you said he's where in ADP 28th? If just as far as the consensus, and so I don't know if that's where he is on CBS, but if you just look across all the different ones, if you look at the average, yeah, it's twenty. It's twenty eight, and so that goes from twenty five to thirty. It goes: J.K. Dobbins, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook. I've got him ranked twenty eighth. Okay, well, so <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm not loving what's going on there. Now, first of all, let's start by saying the obvious. I'm thrilled that he's back. Um, does he look encumbered by the ACL? I wouldn't call him overly explosive, Alex. I think that he played physical. He ran mm-hmm. tough against San Francisco, and that's that's Javante's game. Yeah. But he, he was never a particularly explosive player to begin with. I'll give you an idea of what I mean. 309 career touches. Remember, he played a lot as a rookie, not as much last year. Only eight plays. This is carries and catches of 20-plus yards. Only 15 plays of 15 plus yards. That makes me a little bit nervous about. Hold on, I'm sorry. What is, hold on. Can you say that stat again? I was I, I was taking a drink of iced tea and I almost spit it out. What did you just say? I said 309 career touches. I double checked this, by the way, because mm-hmm. I couldn't believe this. And if if someone has something different, shout it out at me on Twitter. Maybe you've got something different, Alex. No, no, I... 309 career touches for Javante Williams since entering the league. Eight plays of 20 plus yards. Six carries, two catches. Yeah, you knew I had that number. 15 plays of 15-plus yards, wow. 12 runs, three catches. That's so I, 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 I liked the talent a lot coming out of North Carolina, and I think that he's 
clearly able to play right now. Will he be in a situation where he's going to routinely get over 15 touches a game and have some breakaway runs when he really, I mean, it's been like, like 5% of his career touches when he's actually been fairly explosive Um, coming off of an ACL. That makes me nervous. I'm also nervous about what Samaj P. Ryan does being there. This is somebody, listen, Sean Payton inherited Javante Williams. Sean Payton picks Samaj P. Ryan, one of the first signings in free agency. P. Ryan as a talent, you know, is, is he, is he a better runner than Javante Williams? I don't think so. Is he a better receiver and potentially pass blocker than Javante Williams? Yeah, he might be. That's always been a staple of Sean Payton's offenses is utilizing the running backs. And we saw that this is actually a good thing that we saw in their preseason game. Um, the, the five targets to Javante Williams. One of them was, you know, Russ under pressure and he, he flipped it to him. Um, I think Stidham threw him a screen and it was like poorly blocked, something like that. Um, but they get their running backs. Sean Payton likes to get his running backs involved in the passing game. Those two might combine to take like, uh, I got to think about doing the math here. What's 30% of 600? Is that 180? Uh, we got 30, a little 30, lower than that. 30% of 600? So yeah. Six minutes, like, yeah, just under 200. On, yeah. On. I, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're getting that many targets combined, but they might be splitting 130, 140 targets between the two of them. That's Sean Payton's track record. That's a lot. <laughs> it that is a lot, but it's not all going to one guy. And P right. Ryan's the guy that's profiled a little bit better as a pass catcher, in my opinion. Sure. sure. Javante. So uh, I'm worried about Javante. I'm worried about him getting, um, oh, you know, touchdowns and hundred yard games and all the things that we love in fantasy. And I'd rather risk it with a bunch of other running backs that I think have potential to settle in as quality number two running backs, if not top 12 running backs by the time we get to the end of the season. And the topper to all this is that that offensive line has not looked good through their first two preseason games. I know it hasn't been great throughout training camp, especially the guards and center. And, And that's something that would concern me about Williams, P. Ryan, Russ, Judy, the whole gang in Denver. That's almost something that you took for granted in New Orleans when Sean Payton was there. He always had a great offensive line. That was one of the secrets to Drew Brees' success. Now I don't know if that's there. might be there eventually, but I think that that holds back Javante Williams. And so I'm probably going to be the guy that lets other people take Javante Williams in round six. And if I can get him in round seven and if I need a number three running back, I'll take him. Well, there, there you have it. So, I mean, it, it feels like there's a growing, growing sense of buzz on Javante Williams, and that's why you have Dave, Dave Richard. He can he's, he's here to talk you off the ledge in case you're trying to trying to get too far out, too far out over your skis. And I do agree with that offensive line stuff, man. I can't believe that Dalton Reisner is a guy that they just let go. Like he's, I, I think he's still sitting out there right now. I can't believe that the, I can't believe there wasn't there there, there wasn't more talk about him. Whenever the Cowboys were doing their negotiations with 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 Zach Martin, yeah, some kind of backup plan. But um, regardless, Dave, I've kept you too too long already, brother. I have two more questions to ask, but oh, before, go for it. before I do, I just I just wanted to make sure that everybody's following Dave on Twitter. It is at Dave uh, Dave Richard. Of course, you can hear him on Fantasy Football Today. That's every morning on here on YouTube. You can just search search for it there. It plays throughout the whole course of the day, and then also make sure to set the calendars for Wednesday, uh, August. 
30th, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can't miss it. It's going to be a it's going to be a fantasy draftathon, a complete extravaganza. Dave's going to be jumping out of a cake. There's going to be confetti, kazoo's like. Did you say the, cake, uh, Alex? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it sounds good, right? Sounds it's, good, right about yeah, now. man. This, uh, D- Dave's going to hop out of there and be like your, your you know, your fantasy fantasy Santa Claus. Um, so make sure, make sure, make Santa sure Claus jumping out of a cake, come, helping come you win your gifts, fantasy right? League. Come, come, come to bear gifts. I, right? I actually would love to do that, Alex. I don't know <laughs> if I can. Make you want to pass happen. it on to the to the creative team there? I'm there. At, I, I think yeah. I should. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Here are the big two questions. These are the ones that everybody cares most about. Um, So here they go. Uh, Number one, one player that you are absolutely sure is going to smash at their current ADP, just like your, your, your guy this year. Who is it? Tony Pollard. Dallas Cowboys. Love it. Lead running back. Ezekiel Elliott ain't walking through that door anymore, Alex. Nope. <laughs> uh, they've got two decent running backs that can work behind him. Uh, Rico Dowdle and Malik Davis in that short yardage role, if they wanted to do that. Yeah. I don't think they do. And Deuce Vaughn is fun. Make no mistake about it. But I don't think he's going to get a ton of work either. Well, 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 Dave, don't you think that I, I just had an idea in my head. It's almost like Deuce Vaughn is the perfect compliment if you're wanting to get the tony pollard volume because here's the thing deuce vaughn's good enough to he he, he is legit i don't care he's so small i've been dealing with this oh no it's time almost a good state it's like every time you every single time that you underestimate deuce vaughn he comes and kicks you in the teeth it's just it's just the way it happens and he's good enough to where he can actually take some of those carries like he could play he can hold up right and if but you know he's not going to bite into a major, major, major part of him. So it's just that kind of perfect little Goldilocks area, right, for 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 Tony Pollard because it isn't like a Zeke comes in or a, a Leonard Fournette or somebody like this comes in who has the capability to really take a lot away from him. You know, it's it's like as long as he stays healthy, it feels like he's going to have just enough help there from a guy like Deuce to be able to, you know, keep himself from getting two, two, two run down, but enough to, you know kind of guarantee us that that volume that we're expecting for a big year from Pollard. And it's not just volume, it's unreal explosiveness. He's such a great running back. He's up there with all the other guys that you love in fantasy football in terms of efficiency. And so let him rip. Might as well. That, that, this is what the Cowboys have proved themselves to And so yeah, what if what if Deuce Vaughn kind of took over what Pollard's role was to was healthy and Pollard was mixing. I mean, I'd be fine with that. that we're talking about maybe two or three targets a game. Four or five carries a game. A lot of those carries might be in the middle of the field. Why would they why would they use Vaughn near the goal line? That's insane. Uh, I, I, I think Pollard's got a path to 250 plus touches, 50 catches, short yardage goal line roll. Over five yards of carry, jumps out of a cake dressed as Santa, like <laughs> everything that'll make fantasy managers go crazy. I have him in full PPR as my eleventh overall player, and that's so cool, Dave. I can't I can't agree with you en- enough. And I'll just I'll I'll say this one thing: I don't understand. I feel like every I feel like everybody who I respect, who I talk to about this, is all, all like everybody's super on Pollard. And I, I don't understand it. He's not a consensus first round pick at this point. I, I, I really don't. He's a great, great pick at the end of the first round or there at the turn. It's, it's, um, 
really, really crazy to me. Well, here's how you play this. If you're up in late round one and you're worried about Pollard making it back to you, but you see some good receivers that you think will make it back to you, take Pollard. Yeah. And if you're up in late round one and Pollard's there and Nick Chubb's there and uh, Derek Henry's going to be there, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is there. This is it. Yep. But there's one wide receiver that you really, really want. Stephon Diggs made it to you. Mm-hmm. You take Diggs and you cross your fingers that Pollard makes it back to you in round two. That's how you play it for sure. All right, Dave. And so the other side of the coin here, mm-hmm. one player who you're absolutely sure is going to be a bust, just a complete bust. This guy, if you draft him, it's a landmine. You, you, you know, look, Dave Richard is saying, if you do this, don't say that I didn't warn you. <laughs> uh, I am very nervous about, well, I was going to tell you Deontay Johnson, but I wonder if I can get you somebody more exciting than that. I was going to, I could tell you Jonathan Taylor. Okay. You can tell me about, I mean, we've already kind of talked about that. I think the Deontay Johnson thing's kind of interesting. I think that's interesting. So look, I, I, I think I haven't heard I a lot Jordan, of Deontay Johnson, pure, pure, uh, pure, pure hate. Really? It's so, no, I'll, no. Like, the, and it's got nothing to do with last year because, you know, he didn't score any touchdowns last year, but he had a ton of end zone targets. I, I just think there's a changing of the guard coming and it's, it's a lot more than just Najee. It's more of, Kenny Pickett's going to use some more explosive players. I think he trusts his tight end down the seam. I really like George Pickens, Alex. I really think he's going to end up being the best wide receiver for fantasy on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're talking about a wide receiver in Deontay Johnson who's had one of the lowest explosive play rates really over the course of his career. It's not just last year when he had the second lowest among 85 qualifiers at wide receiver, but or the year before when uh, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't get him the football more than eight Mm -hmm. yards downfield, he's been below a 12.5% explosive play rate every year of his career. And 12.5 is decent. And I just don't see him changing now at age 27, non PPR, super easy to get away from Dante Johnson, half and full PPR. I'm not in on him, but I'm sure that there'll be three or four people in every draft I'm in. That'll go, Oh, there's a guy that might catch a hundred balls this year. I don't think he's going to get a hundred balls this year. I don't think he's going to be particularly great. I think you're going to see Deontay Johnson's numbers take a dip. I would rather have George Pickens in the exact same range of where you're getting Deontay Johnson. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
head to hero.co to shop today.